Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're shifting into a new series. It's called Who Am I? And this is really something that's been stirring my heart for about a year and a half. Maybe it's two years. I don't know. And so um, there's a lot of things. I say this sometimes this way. It's like, I'm going to say some stuff today, right? So it just means things that need to be said, they're truth. Um, and, and we have to anchor to the truth that's in the Word of God and who we are in Him. And one of the greatest and the biggest questions that every human being is asking is, who am I? Who am I? The world is asking, who am I? And the church, or God, has an answer for that. And the church needs an answer. We need an answer because in the void of the church not giving an answer... The world in the enemy himself is filling this space. And the enemy has this loud, demonic, evil message about who we are. Who, where do I belong? Or who are my people and what is my purpose? The, the enemy and his earthly wisdom, which the enemy has a wisdom you know this? It's not a good and godly wisdom, but it's an evil intended wisdom. And it has, some, it has a logic to it that when people fall to this lie, they begin to think in a framework of, uh, of wisdom that is terrible and terrifying and destructive. And his voice is really loud right now. The enemy has captured huge territory especially in our media and in our music and in our entertainment world. And it's amazing because of the magnification of technology, these worlds now speak very loud. And it's a minority. I I mean, I really believe this is a minority group that is speaking so loud that it is drowning out and he's trying to steal a generation. He's trying to steal a generation. He tried to murder a generation. In fact, he did murder a generation. That's the Gen X generation, our generation. There were 77 million baby boomers, only 35 million Gen Xers. That is called mass genocide. I think it's somewhere around 80 million babies have been murdered since Roe versus Wade was passed. And that's the ones roughly documented, okay? And I'm not trying to I know a lot of people have had, you know, subject to, you know, abortion and all that stuff. And that, the message isn't about that today. I'm just saying that the enemy's voice is very loud and it's magnified and it is projected upon people. And in fact, if we do not come into alignment with the enemy's wisdom, then the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy every person that doesn't come into alignment with him. If you're not for him, you're against him. This is the same that works for the Lord. If you're not for the Lord, you're against him, right? This is an epic war that started from the beginning when Lucifer fell. And, we, and, and, and God himself renamed him Satan, the evil one, the deceiver, the liar. The enemy says, you are what you desire. The enemy says, do what feels good, and he beckons you to do this. His wisdom beckons you to do what feels good and to believe that you are what you desire. To be whatever you want to be. This is actually an evil message. And it sounds really good. You can be anything you put your mind to. Lie. You cannot be anything you put your mind to. There are immovable things. There are things that some of us will never be able to do. Some of y'all will never be able to sing well. I know. I've been listening to you for years. My my kids, they listen to me for years. Some people won't be able to jump. Some people will never regrow hair. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. If you try to change it and fix that, you look weird. 
Don't try to fix that. It starts looking weird. Scary. You cannot be whatever you want to be, but the enemy wants you to believe this because this fundamental lie can get you to change anything about what you're actually made for versus what you desire or your need for acceptance. The power in the need for acceptance can cause any human being to try to transform anything about their life so that they can feel loved, accepted, and that they belong because we are all asking this fundamental question, who am I? Who do I belong to? Who are my people? Will anyone really love me? We cannot be whatever we want to be, regardless of others, their property, feelings, or the consequences. We cannot get whatever we want, regardless of others, their property, their feelings, or consequences. I don't have the right before God because I want to be accepted to do harm to you or anyone else. It's just a fact. There's this kind of epic moment in the Bible where the Israelites are in captivity for hundreds of years under Egypt. They don't even know who they are. They're just lost in this sea of paganism, really, in the Egyptian world, and they're all just have this slave mindset because they were enslaved for hundreds of years. It's all they knew. And then God calls out one of them uh, among them, Moses, and he, and he takes one man and he has this radical encounter with this one man. And this one man begins to understand and believe that he was made for more, that he wasn't made for slavery or to be uh, in Egypt and in the world, that God had called him out to be separated and to be a part of something greater and that was to be a child of God his name was Moses and through Moses God caused this disruption and this slavery mindset this sin mindset of all of the the Israelites he disrupted all of that of where they thought they were made for slavery Instead, he said, you're made to be my kids and to live set apart outside of the world system and you are called to be a blessing. You're actually made and designed to be a blessing. And this one voice went in and disrupted millions. He disrupted the most powerful nation at the time because he was willing to hear the voice of God and obey the very thing he was calling him to be. He responded to who he was called to be and he had to give up everything in order to do it. So Moses goes in and disrupts his whole nation and God backs him up. And Moses is really just along for the ride as God is disrupting this whole nation. And he pulls all his people out and he, they he does all this crazy, amazing things that just blow everybody's mind so much that the most powerful nation bows its knee to the Lord himself and lets all of God's people go and blesses them with all the plunder. They cross the uh, Red Sea by an absolute miracle. God parts the Red Sea and all the Egyptian army, or a huge part of it, gets swallowed up in the sea and then they go on and then they're at the base of uh, the mountain of God and Moses goes up and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and God is meeting with him and he gives him the Ten Commandments and while he's up there, this is in Exodus 32, Aaron and all the people, they lose sight they actually haven't, they're just like being disrupted by this thought that they're supposed to be something more. And then their main leader just disappears. And he's like gone. And they're like, who is that guy? Who was that guy again? And they're like, hey, let's just do some of the stuff we were doing before because we're just bored. And they have all this plunder. They have all these riches and they have all this means to just kind of do whatever they want. So then they decide they're just going to throw a big idolatry party and 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 this is what's so funny about this passage you read exodus 32 it's really kind of hilarious because aaron is like 
supposed to be Moses' right-hand man. He doesn't really get it yet. It's like all just beginning. And all the people are like, Aaron, we got to do something. He's like, all right, well, just throw all your gold and stuff together. And then they throw it all together. They burn it all up. And he's just like, he makes this golden calf for them. They begin to worship it. And they all go bonkers. And God is like, all this sin breaks out. They go back to their pagan lifestyle, their worldly lifestyle. And they just begin to do all kinds of ungodly things. And God says to Moses, Moses, it is time for you to go down. The people are flipping out. And you need to go take care of this. And in fact, he's like, I think I might just toast them all and we'll start over. This is wild, okay? Moses is like, no, 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 don't do that. And God was actually a test for Moses in that moment. I really believe that. But anyway, Moses comes down and he has the Ten Commandments with him. The very thing that is going to set these people apart and they are violating so many of these Ten Commandments while they're being written. It is just proof that we need God to disrupt our world and thinking because our worldly thinking is destructive. And His is not. Our way and our wisdom is not helpful. God's is unifying and brings order and life and peace and love and restoration and ours brings chaos and selfishness and all kinds of debauchery and so Moses gets so mad he chucks the tablets to the side and they blow up on the ground and then he disciplines everybody but one thing that happens in this moment is when Moses rebukes everybody Aaron is like I don't even know how this happened Mo. I just gave me the gold, and then I chucked it in the fire, and out popped this calf. He's like, pretty sure it didn't happen like that. <laughs> and he says this awesome thing that is kind of amazing. He says, who is with me and the Lord? Whoever is with me and the Lord, come stand by me. And all the Levites come stand by him, which includes Aaron, by the way. He's all like, I made this cap, but I guess I'll we'll stand with you. This is kind of a weird moment, right? <laughs> He's all like, yeah, I'm with you. Everybody forget about that thing it did like two seconds ago, right? <laughs> but when that happened, they stood with him, and then they rooted out the sin in, in, in Israel. Like 3,000 people died that day, where they separated themselves from the sin. And God established the priesthood. So there's a, ver- there's a couple verses here I want, you, I want to read. Isaiah 43.1. But now, <clears throat> this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. In Numbers 8, 14, you have to skip ahead just a couple. It says this, in this way, you are set, uh, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites, and the Levites will be mine. God establishes the priesthood in this moment, and in, e- and in each one of our lives as New Covenant believers, we are established and set aside to be called out of sin, out of debauchery, out of the world system and the way of thinking, and set aside to be priests, worshipers of God that stand for righteousness. And this is an important thing. It says, you will be mine. God is possessive. And he's possessive of his people If you believe in Jesus, you are a priest. You are like a Levite, but a new covenant Levite, a new covenant, a New Testament priest in this new world. Called to bring and and entertain and be a habitation of the presence of God. In a dark and sinful and messed up place. Now think about this. If you go back to Isaiah 43, 
He who created you, who formed you, do not fear. I've redeemed you, and I have summoned you by name. I've summoned you. Come. I just think about Jesus, like how he called his disciples. Matthew. He's like, Matthew's like, me? <laughs> like, you, come. Yo, Jonathan, come. James, James. <laughs> Simon, right? All these same name guys. Come. Right? And I think about this. I hear the, the Lord said to me, Joshua, come. Right? Joshua, come on. He likes to call Joshua's. Come on. Any other Joshua's in the room? Where's another Josh? Yeah, Josh, come. Come on, any more Josh's? Where are they? There's all kinds of them. Oh, there's another little one? Come on, raise your hand. Where, back there? Come on, Joshua's. We got to stand together. God likes Joshua's. There's a lot of Joshua's in this church. But he summons each one of us, and there's a moment where he walks past us, and he looks at you, and you have this opportunity to be called out and set aside, to be set aside out of the world system and world's thinking into a new priesthood, into a place of belonging and knowing who you are and, and, and having a people and a tribe. That's your church. But one of the things that gets separated in all of this is your desires. When Jesus calls you by name, when he summons you by name, you get separated from the world's wisdom, from the enemy's way of thinking. You, your, your mind is now in the process of being renewed into a kingdom way of thinking, a way of thinking that will bring life, that will bring liberty to the people around you, <clears throat> that will free you from sin, which leads to death. The enemy wants us to believe that the sinful way of being, and, and if, we, if, if we believe that we have to be what we desire, then we will, that will lead us to the most evil of, of, of degrading things we could possibly imagine. We're going to talk about that just a little bit today. But I want you to, I want you to see this. I want you to pull up the Ten Commandments for me. This is what Moses, that God commissioned Moses to bring to the world. And this is what you and I are commissioned to bring to the world. This did not change. All right? These, these, this moral law is not a thing that's like, oh, if you do this, you're, uh, you're just legalistic. <laughs> Well, this is the moral law that has been 100% sealed, 100% made available and possible for you and I to live, do, and be in the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. We took communion today. Jesus' body was broken. His blood was spilled out so we could live this. Not live what we desire, but live this. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. This is probably the biggest problem in the world today is, is worshiping other gods. The world is becoming openly satanic. The enemy's playing his hand. It's happening. If you're watching, it's not even hidden anymore. Hollywood is openly satanic. You shall have no other gods, little g. You shall not make for yourself any carved image of worship. We don't set up anything else that stands before him. Uh, I think the Israelites on that day, they already violated the first two, didn't they? Yeah. While they're being written, they're like, let's, let's screw this up. <clears throat> You shall not use the name of the Lord in vain. Can we work on that, church? What's the, what, what, who's, whose name is used in vain in virtually every movie? The name of Jesus. Do you think that's on accident? Church, that is not on accident. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 
How about we try that? Take a flip and break. Honor your father and mother. That's not just young people. That's all of us. Honor your father and mother. You think we might need a little bit of this happening? You shall not commit murder. Oh, unless I desire to. Oh, so if I do what I desire? Oh, I desire to murder, so I'm a murderer. Oh, that's cool. So now I identify as a murderer. Oh, but because I identify as a murderer, no one should send me to prison. Hello? That's what the devil's trying to get everybody to think right now. Rights for murderers. No rights for the unborn. No rights for the innocent. Oh no, but we're going to give rights. Let's protect all the murderers in prison. Hey, just saying. The enemy is behind this thought that it's just okay. It's not okay. This kind of evil and thinking that that's okay, that I can be that? No, if you get that mindset of violence or murder in your heart and your mind, you're going to be a tool of destruction in the hands of the king. Dumb. I mean, okay, in the kingdom. Tool of destruction in our world today. There we go. Some weird Christian phrase just starts coming out. I'm like... <laughs> it, what we believe we are, we're going to do. Isn't it true, right? The Lord does not want you to believe that you're a murderer. That is wrong and sinful and broken. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Do you see how much theft is going on right now? Because people believe it's their right. Are you kidding me? It's not your right to take anything from anybody. You shall not steal. You're not a thief. You're not made to be a thief. God made you to be a child of God, separated and set aside, not a thief. You shall not give false testimony. Apparently, getting elected means I need to, to put public office means I must be a liar. That's like the pathway. And if you're not a liar, then oh, hey, it's going to be hard to get in. Actually, if you don't play by the world system, the enemy has corrupted our system, guys. It is true. If we don't believe that, I'm sorry. I love you all, but like, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And I'm, it's not a political message. I'm just saying it's corrupt. If you don't think that the enemy wants to corrupt people, things, and stuff all the time, it's time to wake up. He's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. It's all he wants to do is corrupt everything. America is not protected from the enemy wanting to corrupt everything. So it's our job to stand up and live in righteousness and not beat everybody up with it, but live in righteousness. We cannot participate. We have to be separated, and we have to Live it in love. Okay. Don't lie. Don't steal. And don't covet what your neighbor has. Guys, y'all print this stinking thing out. Put it on your doorpost. And like, they, when, when they took this out of the education in America, it changed America forever. Because all of a sudden, they started, the enemy started getting in and corrupting all of our teachers. And no, I know some of y'all are teachers, and you guys have been amazing. And you're the beacon of hope and light in our world. And you need to be in that dark place. Because there are so many people just corrupt and corrupting and forming the youth in America. But the priests, we have been redeemed and set aside and we have been called by name, purchased by his blood, and we are set free from sin. Titus 2.14. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Totally committed. Not kind of halvesy committed. Not committed when everybody else rejects you because you are standing for what's right. 
like protecting women and innocent children. This is bothering me. It should bother all of us, men in the room especially. It should bother us that other men are going into our girls' and kids' locker rooms, women's locker rooms. This is set up for, and it is happening. The worst of things are happening, guys. Because the worst of people will take advantage of that. And yeah, are there good people that are just confused and, and, and they don't know who they are? Yes, of course, they're everywhere. And not everybody that's confused is trying to harm everybody. But people who are trying to harm people are taking advantage of this. And we cannot and no longer stand by and let it happen. It can't happen in your school. Okay, this is another thing that is just bothering me so much. That we stand by when we ought to be doing good. And I know if you watch the internet and you just see a little glimpse here and there, it feels magnified. But this is propagated, is that when someone is being assaulted, people get out their phones and stand around and watch it happen. Grown bleep men. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Stand around and watch women be assaulted. Men in this church, do not ever stand aside and let a woman be assaulted. That should never happen. Y'all, we shouldn't even walk through a door without holding it for a woman, let alone watch them be taken advantage of. There is a righteous standard that God is calling men to use their power to do in this world, and it is to love and protect the innocent and those that are weaker than us. And yes, there are some extremely B.A. women. Sorry, I was having a moment today. (laughs) That, yeah, could probably beat up a third of the population in our church. I get it. Teresa, wherever you are. No. Okay, but the reality is as a population, as a group, men are stronger physically than women. And it is our job to be a foundation and a place of protection to see women of equal value to us and not demean them, not oppress them, not take them down, but lift them up and celebrate them to be the best they can be so they can thrive and lead and not be under their thumb. Listen, the most oppressed people group in the world is women of all time, not even close. Because in every people group, I don't care what race or nationality you are, how bad it ever was anywhere, women are the one the enemy hates the most. Started in Genesis, and he said he'd put enmity between the woman and the devil. Huh? And all her offspring. It's in Revelation 12 too. He hates women. So godly men, what do we do? We stand and protect them. He hates our women, and he hates our children. And right now in our nation, he's going after them both full throttle. I told you I was going to say some things today. And I love you. But there is a righteous anger that ought to well up inside of all of us to not be bystanders in this world. We are protectors. We are agents of righteousness and of love and of unity. We have to stand for something. We're set apart to stand for something. And that is for the Lord himself. 2 Timothy 2.19, but the God's, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. Let's think about that. We're called to stand for something. God's truth stands firm. It's like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. This is a foundation stone of being a believer. It's a foundation stone of being a man and a woman of God and being a family that's set aside for the Lord is that we know who we belong to and we turn away from evil. 
We don't do it to fit in. Look, you don't stand for righteousness to fit in. You stand for righteousness. You get rejected. and There, there is an unhealthy and an ungodly way to stand for righteousness. And that's self-righteousness, and that's me thinking I'm better than you. It's like, no, 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 I'm not better than anybody. But I'm standing here. God saved me for this. This is the only foundation I have is who I belong to. He is my God. He is my daddy. He called me by name. I've been thinking about this all morning. He summoned me by name. He just said, Joshua, will you follow me? And I just simply said, yes. What did you say? And have you thought and ever tried to live off of that foundation stone? And like, well, I'll just get off of this living for righteousness to kind of do some of this other stuff. It goes terribly. It's the worst. You just get back on that stupid, that, that awesome thing. Get done doing those stupid things and get back on this awesome thing that is the foundation of Jesus. It's the Ten Commandments, guys. It's what he died for. It's his love relationship with us to be in love with him and stand and live in righteousness and the protection of that righteousness is eternal life, sealed by the blood of Jesus. But God knows who belongs to him. He said to the Levites, these are my priests, they're mine. He said that to you. You give your life to him and you believe and choose him, you're his. You belong to him. You're set aside. This is a personal. This is real. This is not just willy-nilly. He's like, okay, well, I kinda, all these massive people. He knows each one of you and called each one of you by name and has a purpose for each and every one of us. Romans 7, 4. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds. Our evil desires produce a harvest of sinful deeds. Do you see that? That's in verse 5. Evil desires are inside of us. All of us. Not just some of us. So don't start pointing finger at your neighbors and go like, well, actually all the evil desires are them. You're like, and all of us. And they're at war. War. <laughs> 13. They're at war with all of us. But we're no longer captive to its power. See, verse 6, but now we have been released from the law. We, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit, the Spirit of God living in each one of us, is empowering us to live in this foundation stone of righteousness in our life. But there is a war. And the enemy wants each one of us to believe in our mind and perceive in our mind to believe this lie that we are what we desire. And this is the whole argument for becoming a homosexual today. Becoming one, not like giving way to the desire of homosexuality. I'm going to break it down for you. When someone starts drinking alcohol, and a lot of it, and more and more and more and more, something actually physiologically changes in them, and now they have an extreme weakness or uh, a physiological disposition to... Uh, to alcohol, and it becomes a vice and actually a, a, a chemical and, and physiological, like, destructive tool in their life or entity in their life, okay? But because their desire was to medicate their pain by drinking or to find acceptance, this is how a lot of people start drinking 
and become alcoholics. It's like, I need friends. Friends party. Friends actually open up and act cool when we drink, right? <laughs> That's not cool? Okay. <clears throat> you can learn cool dances from somebody else, I guess, but... Um, yeah. Leave it to another Josh. Is that what you said? Yeah, there's other Josh with a bright dance better than me. Okay. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we use a substance like alcohol to fit in and to find identity and to belong or to medicate pain, then it actually surrounds our nature and it starts to, it can become a chemical or a physiological shift. But if I believe the lie that I am an alcoholic, I'll be imprisoned in my identity to this thing forever. No person in here is an alcoholic. Your desire to drink and medicate or belong or whatever it is that you desire, that is a desire that's at war with the righteous nature that God has in you, with the destiny God has inside of you. But you are not that thing. You are who you belong to and who you worship. So if your identity shifts to being an alcoholic, it means you have shifted your mindset, your worship. You have created an idol. You built a golden calf in your life that says, I am this thing, and I am going to worship it. And then guess what? You get the results of worshiping that evil thing. And it's destructive. And just like you cannot be an alcoholic you cannot, I'm gonna, this is going to blow up on the internet probably, you cannot be a homosexual unless you choose to shift your identity to that thing. You are not what you desire. This is a lie from the enemy. And, and lots of people struggle with same-sex attraction. Okay, big flipping deal. Get over it. People struggle with opposite sex attraction. Oh, my flipping heart might pop right now. What? Dudes like girls? Girls like guys? What? Guys, the enemy is so crafty. It's so silly when you think about it. Like, if you desire to punch somebody, you should not. In most all cases, you should not. So if I desire to throat strike someone, does that make me a throat striker? If I believe I am one, then heck yeah, I'm like, this house off on my palms, pow! You said what? Do you see the logic? If you have desire, oh, this is going to get, if you have a desire to take advantage of women when they're not willing, you guys all know what that's called? There's young ears in the room. You are not that thing. So if you had desire to take advantage of women, then you're, you, you actually, that's your identity? That's who you are? If people start believing that, our world is going to be exactly what the devil wants it to be. A place of absolute destruction. You don't have to be a person who takes advantage of women to find acceptance, to numb your pain, to belong and to be part of a people. You can just choose Jesus. You can just choose him and you can be a part. And yet you might still have that desire. You might. But that is not a desire that should identify you as a person. That should not be the thing that you now is who you become and who you are. And yet none of us should ever act on those desires because that is wrecking the world. It's not the only thing. Sweet Christmas. I'm going to say more. 
all know what a pedophile is, right? And you know this is the next step? Not only that you, because you desire, you don't feel belonging, you desire to be a woman and you were born a man, you ought to change that. Because you desire to at any time in your life. And if you don't, then, oh my gosh, that's abuse. No, that is abuse. And that is a destructive thing to act on that desire, guys. We need to find accepting and belonging another way. Those individuals need to be accepted and belong and be loved and known and not rebuked and not beat up and not taken advantage of. All that stuff's sinful and wrong too. We don't fight sin with more sin. We fight it with love and acceptance and belonging and mattering. And, and when someone struggles with violence, we love the stink out of them, right? This concept of everything phobia is so dumb. I'm a, because I think that, and I believe that your best destiny is not becoming what you desire, except for if it's the Lord, okay? You desire the Lord, then you become a child of God. Everything outside of that is actually pretty destructive, if it's in Jesus, you find it in his word and you can do it in his word, okay? Eh. But it's outside of that, then it's probably gonna be destructive for your life. Not even find belonging in that, but like taking advantage of small children because someone has a desire for small children, then they ought to be identified as that and then accepted as that and their behavior ought to be accepted. And we stand around and watch this happen, guys. That can't be. We can't allow this to go on. The shifting of gender. Now it's even like, this is the craziest thing. Is people are identifying as a different race. Or species. I desire to be a cat, so I'm a cat. I desire to be an animal. This is where it gets just so ridiculous. And the, the whole thing, we're like, oh, well, somebody they have homosexual desires, so they have to be homosexual. No, they don't. It, it, they don't have to be. Yes, we can identify that we have those desires, but it doesn't, make, doesn't mean that acting on those is going to be for best for me, even though I might want to. Sleeping around with a whole bunch of ladies, that's not going to be best for me or my family. Even if someone might want to, it's not going to be the best for you and your family. Promise you being a pedophile is not going to be good for you and your family. And I promise you, pretending you're another race is not going to be good for you. Like, Josh, why don't you come up here? Come on. It, this is my friend Josh. I always tease Josh all the time because you can tell we look so much alike, you can hardly tell us apart, right? Okay. But it's like, if one day I just was like, oh, no, I'm black Josh today. Okay, I'll be right. right? And you're white Josh today, right? Howdy. <laughs> Do I talk like that? <laughs> oh, I'm almost going to pass out. Oh my God, wait a <laughs> So funny. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay. Besides that Josh is almost as funny as me, like... And he's probably about 5 or 6% more handsome than me. Oh, and he's about, about more like 20. 20? Yeah, 20% handsomer. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of easy to tell the difference between us, even though our names are the same Amen. on the outside, right? right? And if I all of a sudden am like, I want to be a black guy too. I want to be a black guy. <laughs> I want to be. Wait. I'm a weirdo. There's something going wrong up here. But the actual differences between my brother in Christ, Josh, and me is actually very small. Because living inside of this man of God, and I know him, is the same power that lives inside of me. Because you know what? We have this very small difference. We have a different mom and we have a different dad here on earth. We got a couple different daddies, right? Yeah. And that's actually the reason why we look different. Right. That's true. It's the only reason. Right. Yeah. But on the inside, we have the same dad. Amen. 
that causes us to believe the same things about who we are and who we belong to and what we're about. And so actually, we actually live and behave way more similar than we are different because of who we belong to and who we identify with. And that causes us to live on this foundation stone of righteousness. And the same righteousness is being produced through this man of God that's happening through me with very small expression differences. The same love. And what Josh and I have, like, I'm going to say we have a love relationship. Absolutely. In Jesus. Amen. And, and we're friends. And, like, we're, we're like, we feel like family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we belong to the same dad. Amen. And if I dishonor my brother by saying I'm a black guy, mm-hmm. it's just dishonoring. No matter if I think that's cool right now. Because, you know, 100 years ago, it wasn't so cool to be a black guy in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And thank God, it's not like that anymore. Most places. There's evil everywhere. Yeah. Well, now it's kind of cooler to be a black guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not jealous. Amen. I'm glad you're here. I don't like it when you shoot threes over me and jump higher than me and run faster than me. But I love you. Okay. Be, that kind of stuff is always going to shift. And it's nice. It can never be the thing that unifies us. It can never be the thing that causes us to feel important. It's the love relationship and the identifying with Jesus that causes us to matter, belong, and be a family. Amen. All right. I love you. So don't be confused. Josh and I are two different people. They're never going to be confused now because when you see us standing next to each other, that's when you really notice the difference. But sometimes they think he's the senior pastor of the church. My desire for food, sex, money, self-desire, sports, none of these things are like lesser desires that are still all become idols in our life that if I become those things, I actually get so off track and I actually reap the consequences of trying to become those things. We're not made to become our desires. You're not who you desire. You are not actually shaped. You are not what you desire. You and I are designed and made to be children of the King of Kings. And that brings more unity to all the diversity, the small measure of diversity that ought to be celebrated between all of us. Okay? And I'm just going to circle back on something. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction in our church, listen, you are welcome. You are loved. And no matter how confused you are, you are welcome. You are loved. And we are going to hold a righteous standard. Okay? No biological dudes in chicks' bathrooms. Our little girls and kids are in there. And you're confused, I understand. You're loved. You're accepted and belong, not based on what identifying with your earthly desire, but identifying with your desire for Jesus. And you're accepted. And guess what? That desire begins to change everything else. And when we shift our desire to more wanting to belong to him and his family than wanting to belong to a people group that identify with the same earthly desire I have that's destructive for me and people around me, come on, then I'm actually going to find the fulfillment I'm really looking for. I know I said a lot right there. Get the tape, rewind it, listen to it again. First Peter 2.11, I don't have a scripture, but I just want you to hear this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Temporary residents and foreigners. Friends. You're just foreigners here in this land. You're made for heaven. You're just, you're just, a, you're just a foreigner, okay? That's why you're kind of like, do I really fit here on this world? No, actually, you're a foreigner. You're kind of like, this isn't really my land. It feels a little off. I feel like I'm actually I'm made for a way more comfortable lawn chair. Bible calls that rest. Peace. 
health, life. Keep away, as foreigners, keep away from worldly desires. So you're in a foreign land, it's the world, and the world has a code, and it's the enemy's code, and it has all these evil desires about it. Keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. These desires are waging war against your true identity as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. The Bible tells us that who we belong to, we reflect his nature. And we belong, the Bible says, you are mine. Jesus said, you are mine. You belong to me. And he is love. You belong to love. You have been purchased by love. You have been secured by love. You have been captivated by love. Love has actually taken you prisoner. And love encap encapsulates you. And love infills you and gives you hope and a destiny. His name is Jesus. He is absolute perfect love. And you are made for him. And he made you for him. If we live, Romans 4, 14, 8, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to love. Who I belong to determines how I behave. It shapes my character and it defines my destiny. I am who I belong to, my Father in heaven, and He is love. I am His and He is mine. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.